And now we're going to have, when the children leave, we're going to have, is Barbara anywhere? Because she's going to, uh, in a few minutes, whenever everybody's out, Barbara's going to read this uh, passage for us. And it's from Genesis chapter 12, <coughs> and it's verses 1 to 9. And it's, it's a lovely, lovely part of the Old Testament here. Chapters 1 to 11 go together, and then chapter 12 is, uh, starts a new section. Okay. Uh, the call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Amen. I wonder, have you ever watched that program called Wanted Down Under? Those families who are brought onto the program are able to uh, see if there's a possibility that they would uh, immigrate, that they would change their location, and that they would go down under to Australia. And of course, they have a week set aside for this, where they're taken to investigate jobs and what money they would get and, and uh, for schools, for the children, usually mom and dad and two kids, and to see where they would live and to see how it would go with relocating. They are all usually enthusiastic <coughs> about the idea uh, until it comes to the final part of the program when they all sit down as a family on the sofa, as it were. And there's a big screen in front of them. And on the screen, they can see back in the UK, they can see maybe mom and dad, that is granny and granda, brothers and sisters, and all of that. And uh, granny and granda usually say, well, if it's what you want for the sake of the children, 
we'll have to do with it. But we'll miss you. And then you see the tears beginning to come down. And then they cuddle each other up a little closer on the sofa. And, uh, well, maybe we're too old to get out to visit you now, but... And so it goes on. Now, we never hear, actually, at least I've never heard about whether they go or not, or whether they stay for a while and come home. But anyway, relocating to another place is not an easy job. And uh, this morning, we're going to look for a moment or two about this man here that Barbara read about, Abraham, because he relocated with his wife Sarah and with the whole family. Why? He was 75 years of age. Imagine at that age. And he was going to relocate from where the family were in Haran. Now that simply is a little town now and village, the remnant of it in the country, modern day country of Turkey. And way at the north there, they were going to come south to Canaan. Um, of Galilee down to Israel in effect. Why on earth did a man 75 years of age think about doing this? Well, it was because he felt God was calling him to go. And you know, the first thing whenever you relocate to another country is where do you get a house? Well, that wasn't a problem for Abraham because he was really a Bedouin tribesman. And he came with all his flocks, the cattle, the sheep, and so on, his men servants, his maid servants, and the camels. And his real objective was, where will I pitch my tent? Well, we read on in the story that he did get a new postcode, of course. He settled on the east of Bethel. Now, Bethel is a very important place in the Bible. If you read about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this place was so important. In Hebrew, it means Bethel. It means the house of God. And you know something? Barbara was reminding me, and it's, it's an age thing with me. You remember in church we used to sing those paraphrases? Anyone remember that? O God of Bethel, yeah, by whose hand thy people still are fed, who through this weary pilgrimage hast all our fathers led. Through each perplexing path of life, our wandering footsteps guide. Give us each day our daily bread and raiment fit provide. Uh, this number, paraphrase number two in the church hymn. And uh, it speaks about a journey. It speaks about a journey. So Bethel was very important. And Barbara reminded me that we sang that at our wedding. And it's so long ago. And I said, what was the other hymn that we sang at our wedding? She says, I can't remember. <laughs> and I said, what were you thinking about that day? That's 42 years ago. So we'll have to discover what that... We can't even find an order of service wherever they have disappeared to anyway. So anyway, here we have this man relocating Abraham. Now look, let's say this. The tent symbolized his home. That was his home, his house. His direction in life. The kind of person he was and who he was to become. Last year, part of our family, daughter and son-in-law in the family, they did a road trip through France, 
down into Spain with their Land Rover and all of that. They did another one this year, but that's another story. But on one occasion, they came back to the campsite where they were staying, and it was flooded. Part maybe of this, um, this global warming. Anyway, climate change. And there were those people who foolishly had left personal items of their passports and their various other things, and they were all soggy. But whenever they came back, uh, they were okay and all of that. Some of the things were underwater. They had to dry them out. The campsite helped them. But look, the lesson is this. Be careful where you set up camp. As Abraham and his family pitched their tent at Bethel, the house of God, they had the great promises of God ringing in their ears. God's covenant promise. If you walk before me, I will bless you and your family will increase as the sand on the seashore. He left his previous home in Haran, his former country. After pitching his tent, he set up an altar and he sacrificed to the Lord. Abraham was not a perfect man by any means, but he believed God and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And the challenge to us when we begin our pilgrimage of faith, whenever we become a Christian, and as we walk on that pathway, where do we pitch our tent? Do we pitch our tent close to God? Do we have around us the things that will encourage us and strengthen us in our faith, our fellowship with the Lord and with like-minded believers? You see, in the Christian life, we can get deflected. We can become absorbed in other things. And as John Bunyan, you know, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he talks about those who are Christians, yes, They're walking on the pathway of faith, but they get deflected into bypath meadow and they lose their way. So a crucial decision for us right at the very beginning and through our pilgrimage of faith is where we pitch our tent to be near God. And Joshua in the Old Testament gave a challenge to the people of Israel. Joshua 24, he says, Look, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make your pitch then for the Lord, near to him. Okay, let's move on from Abraham's tent. I'm going to think about a number of tents here this morning. Abraham's tent, and we're going to secondly think about Lot's tent. Now, Abraham, Lot, of course, was the nephew of Abraham. Abraham's herdsmen and workers, uh, indeed, they um, had a disagreement with Lot's herdsmen. Probably seemed to be enough grazing land for the sheep and the cattle and the goats and so on. But there was disagreement or war breaking out between the two Lot's. Abraham stepped in to resolve the issue, and he met with Lot. He was an uncle and a nephew. And Abraham said, look, Lot, this is a lovely land before us. There's lots of acreage here. God has been good to us. We're not to be at war with each other. We're not even to be at competition with each other. There's enough to go around. So Abraham gave his nephew the first choice. 
And he chose the plain of Jordan. It was well watered, lush, fertile. He went east and Abraham chose to go west to Canaan. And then it says, Lot pitched his tent near Sodom. And then this little line's added, but the men of Sodom were wicked. That basic choice that he made caused him nothing but trouble. We read all about it in Genesis 14. We'll not go into it in detail, but simply to say, Lot and his family, some marauding tribesmen came down and they captured them and they captured all the people. Abraham with his 318 trained men, they had to pursue the enemy and secure the release uh, of the people. The king of Solomon, Sodom was thankful and offered Abraham money and goods. No, Abraham said, I will not accept anything from you. Knowing again this king of Sodom, his reputation for gross immorality and sin, I'll take nothing. Genesis 18, the Lord was going to punish Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pleaded that Lot's family would be saved and rescued. And God kept his word. And he did this for Abraham. But you know the story where Lot's wife was the one. She turned back and she turned into a pillar of salt. You see, there's a lesson in this for all of us. If we pitch our tent in the area of sin, the danger is that we can become like those that we live with or those whom we associate with. That's why we're always saying to the young people and to the boys and girls, watch your company, who you play with and who you go about with. So there it was. It wasn't a very wise choice. Two different pathways. Abraham pitched his tent towards Indeed, Bethel, Lot pitched his towards Sodom. What a stark contrast in the two tents and where the location they were pitched. The third, the third thing I'm going to mention to you here is in Genesis 25, and it's another tent. It's called the Tent of Meeting, the Tabernacle. Now, it's interesting that it says the tent of meeting. That was where God's people, people of Israel, were, 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 were going to meet. Uh, I remember my mother years and years ago, and she never referred to the church that she belonged to in County Tyrone. But she always said, we always go to the meeting house. Or the meeting house. And truly, our church is the church is the people. And the, the building is the meeting house. So here, let's look for a little bit about this uh, tent of meeting, the tabernacle. We can look at it in detail. The people, under God and under his direction, God gave Moses the directions that they were to have. And let me say that uh, this particular tent of meeting, there were no concrete foundations put down or anything like this. It was basically all curtain material, and poles and all of that. And of course, inside it was to be uh, the covenant symbol of God's covenant with his people. There was to be the table, the lampstand, the oil for the lampstand, the altar of burnt offering. 
And even the uniform that the priests were to wear, the ephod and the breastplate, all of this. But two things we want to simply say about, and this is very important, is this was not a permanent building. It was temporary. It was portable. Just like last night I was down at New Horizon, and you wanted to see the tents there all put up. And it'll be taken away again after this week is over. Same as the Open Golf Championship. The, the tents were everywhere. You'd wonder, was there any golf course at, at all there? And it's the same if we have an event or something that is possible to, to hire a marquee and to get it put up and then to be dismantled. So this, the tabernacle, was a system of poles and curtain material matter where the people of Israel journeyed, God's presence was going to be with them and the opportunity for them and indeed obligation as covenant people to engage in worship wherever they were. Let's pause there for a minute to say simply this. We're taken up a great deal with permanency, aren't we? I mean, our Presbyterian church, beautiful buildings that we have to worship in and the church halls to, to socialize in and all of that. And yet... As God's pilgrims people, we are reminded that here upon this earth, we have no abiding city. We're only pilgrims passing through. And sometimes in the countryside, you know, farmers speaking about things like this, they'll say, oh, well, you know, at the end of the day, we'll only get our day out of it. And it's so true. It seems to be beautiful homes and all of that. But there's one day we will have to leave it all. We might leave it to someone, maybe some of the family, but we will leave it. And you know, the, shall we say, the African-American people who um, often sang the spiritual songs, you remember, they had it. They understood this. This world is not my home. I'm only a passing through. Sometimes I believe, even as believers, as Christians, we're, we're too attached to the material things of this world. Instead, we need to give them a light touch. Enjoy for the present. It's God's blessing, yes, but we're only passing through. But then the second thing that we want to say about this, about the, the, the tabernacle here, is simply this here. It's very important, the, the position because if you were to look down on God's people, there were whole loads of tents of all the tribes of Israel. And this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, was right in the center. A little bit like the villages and towns of our country, where you get a church and a church spire and all, right in the center. And this is so important, and I believe God is teaching us something here because our worship, whether it be our private devotions, our private worship, or the worship of God's people, is to be central to us each week, but each day as well. Whether we're driving the car, whatever we're going to do, or we're committing our lives to the Lord, are we praying to Him, are we looking upwards to Him? So then... The tent of meeting, the tabernacle, right in the center. Now look, 
the passages way back in the New Testament to the book of Hebrews remind us that this Old Testament place of portable worship has now been superseded by the new and better covenant. The old sacrifices that were offered dutifully carried out years ago, they did not do anything to cleanse the sin from the hearts and lives of God's people. But when Jesus came as high priest, he did not enter the most holy place by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood shed on Calvary, his death a once for all ransom paid to set us free from sin. So then, the third tent we're thinking about today, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, teaches us a lot, particularly about the idea of permanence and what's temporary and what's permanent and what is central and should be central in our lives. But this tent of meeting even itself was only a shadow of better things to come. And so, in conclusion, let's finish with the, with the business of tents. You know the Apostle Paul, he left Athens and he went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew called Aquila and his wife Priscilla. They had come from Italy. And uh, Paul discovered, lo and behold, they had something in common. Not only were they believers, and we read that for Aquila and Priscilla, the house, the, 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 the church met in their house, but also they were tent makers by profession. That's what they did. And Paul then continued his mission, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus, first to the Jews didn't have great success with him, and then to the Gentiles, and he was supported by such good people as Aquila and Priscilla in the early Christian church. And he said this in, in Ephesians, a great door of effective work has opened to me, but there are many who oppose me. Let's turn our minds a little bit, just to finish, about relocating, going to another country, another place, I was reading that between 1910 and 1920, some 14 million immigrants journeyed to America. And the first sight of their new homeland would have been the Statue of Liberty. I wonder, have you ever, have you ever seen it? We've been sort of climbing up that statue one time we were there. A wonderful landmark, of course, New York. The statue holding up the mighty torch presented to the United States by the French as a token of friendship in 1886. Inscribed on the pedestal is a poem by someone called Emma Lazarus. And it gives a great invitation to the immigrants. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. But however, the reality, if you look back in history, for those weary travelers, many from our own country here and from other countries, was somewhat different. They had to pass immigration at Ellis Island. Many were accepted, but there were those who were rejected because of disease, some of them physically and mentally challenged. 
the golden door for some at least was firmly shut. Paul's message and the message of the Lord Jesus today is that his door is open. Come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. Isaiah 55, come all of you who thirst are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money. Come and buy and eat. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What a wonderful, open and gracious, unconditional invitation to you and to me and to all of us. In this good news, the gospel. And it's from the tent makers here. Quilla and Priscilla and, and, and Paul. The door, the door of the kingdom is open to us and to all who will come prompted by God's Spirit because it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. What a wonderful message. Think about the three tents then. A lot to learn from that. Abraham's tent, how wise he was to see where he would settle down. Lot, how unwise he was. And the companions that he made and the trouble in his life and for his whole family. And think then about the other tent of meeting. Which has much to teach us. That God would be in the center of our hearts, our lives and our congregation. Let's, let's pray for him. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for the teaching from your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would enable us to have this time today to look at our own lives and simply to, um, to question about those things that will draw us closer to you and about those things that we should avoid and will lead us further away from you and from fellowship with you, our Savior. Thank you for your message to us today and the open invitation, no holds barred, for all who want to come, to come into your kingdom and to receive you as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.